0: Our text this morning is John 8, verses 43 through 45. John 8, 43 through 45. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. After the sermon, let's sing hymn 41, stanzas 1 and 2. beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. A word that is very dear to us is the word reformed. We are known as the Canadian Reformed Church. and We trace our roots back to the Reformation of the 16th century. But what does that word reformed mean? Is it just a handle? Is it a name? It's interesting that If you go to the United States and meet our brothers and sisters in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, they call themselves Reformed. Their name is Presbyterian, but they call themselves Reformed. So clearly, Reformed is not just a name. It means something. It has a very special, significant meaning. If you think about it in, in everyday life, the word to reform. You think of a, a criminal, a, a thief, who reforms his ways and becomes an honest man. You think of a government that reforms its, its out-of-date laws or big business that reforms its accounting principles. To reform is to change and to make things better. Now, if a church reforms, if it's going to make things better, its standard has to be the word of God. To be reformed. Means to change by taking the Word of God to heart and, and making changes in church and your family and personal life, which is more and more to the glory of God. If you think of the Great Reformation of the 16th century, the outstanding reformer was Martin Luther. Martin Luther didn't want to start a new church, that's the very last thing he wanted to do. He wanted to reform the existing church which, quite frankly, had gone downhill. Martin Luther was an office bearer. He looked at his other priests, he looked at other office bearers, and he saw gross sexual immorality all around him. He saw men who were out to make a buck to rip off the church. He saw men who were ready to kill you if you dared to open a Bible. You think of John Wycliffe. He was burned at the stake because he dared to take Bibles into England. You think of Guido de Bras, who was hanged, who was killed, martyred, simply because he dared to preach the gospel. And there were thousands of men and women in the Spanish Inquisition, in the Huguenot persecution, in, in, the, in the 16th century attacks, in the church in, in the Netherlands, in Belgium, in France, and Spain. Men and women, teenagers, boys and girls, killed by the thousands. And what did they do? They dared to open a Bible. Martin Luther King, whom you know, said, I have a dream. A dream when all men will be free and all men will be equal. Well, Martin Luther of the 16th century also had a dream. But his dream was not something he pulled out of his head. He turned to the Word of God. And he knew he was in for the toughest ride of his life to stand up to the established church, to stand up to his own colleagues. But he had to. He had to reform the church. He had to bring it back to the Word of God. So in 1517, October the 31st, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the chapel door in Wittenberg. And he said, Unless I am convinced by Scripture or clear reasoning that I am in error, I cannot recant, for I'm subject to the scriptures I have quoted. My conscience is captive to the word of God. It is unsafe and dangerous to do anything against one's conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. So help me God. Amen. I'm a reformer, said Martin Luther. I don't care what the cost is. I take the word of God, and I apply that to the church. We have to change. We have to Form. Indeed, the church of Jesus Christ is always doing that. Reformation is an ongoing thing in the church, in school, and family, and personal life. The question, though, is how is it possible that a church can go so far off the mark? If you are the church of Jesus Christ and you have the Bible how can the ministers and the elders all start to engage in sexual morality rip people off and murder people the way they did in the 16th century how do you become that deluded how do you get so far from light in the darkness that's the the question that our Lord Jesus Christ is confronted with and dealing with in our text and it's valuable not just to look at history but to warn us for today And to warn each one of us in our personal lives, how is it possible that you can get so far away from the truth? And how do you ever get back? We'll look at that this morning under this theme. Jesus Christ warns that truth is totally corrupted by the devil. We'll see two things. The truth is being corrupted, and this corruption comes from belonging to the devil the beginning of the passage we read together in John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus Christ says, I am the light of the world. He is saying, I have brought salvation to this world. All you people living in the darkness of sin and misery, one way road to hell, I brought light. I pull you out of the darkness. I give you salvation. I will lead you on a journey. A journey that leads to the dawn of yet a better day. A new heaven and a new earth. Where God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Jesus Christ is saying, I am the light of the world. And I can do this because I came from heaven and I'm going back to heaven. I'm the son of God. I am God. I will set you free. I will make you walk in the light. Now, when our Lord Jesus Christ said this, it should not have come as a big surprise to anybody. It's not as if he was just any old person saying, I'm the light of the world. He had all kinds of evidence to back this up. You know he had the whole Old Testament. He had God who said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. But look at Jesus' ministry. He healed the sick. He drove out demons, he raised the dead, he preached in a way that took people's breath away, and he calmed the storm. To calm a storm, you know that people can do all kinds of amazing things in our world. There are even people who allegedly do miracles, but one miracle no man has ever done is to calm a storm. Jesus in the midst of the sea. There's a, a gale force wind. The waves are so big that the disciples say, we're going to drown, Jesus. And Jesus wakes up. He looks at the storm and says, stop. A- and the sea was as smooth as glass. Only someone who created the sea, the waters and the wind and the waves, only the almighty creator himself can have that control. At that moment when Jesus Christ calmed the storm, he showed that he was God, he was almighty creator. The whole world is in his hands and he has absolute control. So when he says, I am the light of the world, it is clear he is who he claims to be. And he can do the things that he says he will do. To people who are living in the brokenness of their sins, a broken relationship, disease, someone living with a loved one who has got terrible health problems. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And when we are drawn to him, into his marvelous light, into his salvation, into the love of his arms, every burden is made light. We are in the light. And we have the hope of salvation and everlasting life with him. Now, some of the the hearers believed in Jesus Christ, and he said to them in verses 31 and 32, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our Lord Jesus Christ makes clear, you are saved not because you are a Jew. That's like saying to us today, you are saved not because you are Canadian Reformed, but you are saved through your faith. You are saved because you have seen the truth and you have embraced it. And the truth will set you free. Now that's an amazing contrast to other Jews who said to Jesus, We don't believe you. We don't think that you are the light of the world. We are the children of Abraham and that's all we need to be saved. At that moment, what they were basically doing is, they're looking at the light of the world, and collectively, they all lick their fingers and were ready to snuff out that wick, Put out the light. Blow them out. Quench the light. We'll stay in the darkness. We are children of Abraham. We don't need you, Jesus. Be gone. Die. Disappear. Jesus, he said to them, he said, if you are Abraham's children, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things, You are doing the things your own father does. And that's the context in which our text comes to us. Jesus said, the fact that you are a child of Abraham doesn't save you. And the way you're acting, you show you have a different father. Then he says, why is my language not clear to you? Literally, in Greek, he says, how come you don't understand what I'm saying? What more do I have to do? I raised the dead. I calmed the storm. I drove out demons. What don't you understand? What can I say to you? What can I do for you more? To convince you that I'm the light of the world. That I'm your Savior. That I'm your Christ. Jesus is exasperated. He's flabbergasted. He can't believe it. People denying the truth. And in a way, we understand him. I'm trying to say that we're like Jesus, but in a way we have walked in His shoes. You may have grown up with a friend in the church, you were in school together, you went to catechism together, you made profession of faith together, you talked about serving the Lord, and then one day he left. He withdrew. He said, I, I, I never really believed. That's not just sad, it's like someone has punched you right in the gut with a big brick. It leaves a hole in your soul. And then if it's your own child, or your brother or sister, or your dad or mom who turns on the Lord, you can't believe it. This this brother or sister, this child of yours has grown up with you in the faith, has heard the truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, and you scratch your head and say, How? How can you walk away from that? How can you turn from the light and turn into darkness? Think of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 9. Paul says, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple and the worship, and so on and so forth. Jews, says Paul, you had it all. You were God's people. You had the covenant. You had the temple. You turned your backs on the light of the world. I wish that I could be damned. I wish I could go to hell to save you. Now, of course, Paul can't do that. He doesn't really mean it. But you understand how frustrated he is that his own people, his own family, will not believe in Jesus Christ. How is it possible? Then Paul adds, it is not as though God's word had failed. When someone turns on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not because the Bible is deficient. It's not because God himself has not made things clear and even in our own congregation even in our own family we know we have our shortcomings sometimes when we see a child of ours wander away from the Lord we have a lot of anguish because we realize we we could have said more, we could have set a better example we all have our shortcomings and weaknesses but it's not the word of God they had a good foundation. We read the Bible with them. We prayed with them. We gave them a Christian education. We worshiped together. Something happened. Something happened to make them turn from the light to darkness. Our Lord Jesus Christ was anguished about his own people turning on him as the light of the world. We think of the famous line at the end of Matthew 23: Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary came burning in love for a people for whom he laid down his life. He let the light shine, and the people looked at him and said, Fly a kite. Get lost. We don't need you, and we don't want you. That brings us to our second point where we will see where this corruption, this delusion actually comes from. But let it be clear in our minds, brothers and sisters, it happens. It happened in the church of the 16th century. It can happen in this congregation. It can happen in your family. And it can happen in your personal life. That you become so deluded. Your mind so corrupt. You don't know what's up or down. You don't know what's light or darkness. You don't even know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have to find out where this comes from so in our second point to the question of Jesus why is my language not clear to you Jesus Christ explains because you're unable to hear what I say Jesus doesn't say you got a problem you find it difficult to understand he says you can't you are unable you cannot see the truth if it stares you in the face you're not able to do it and then he explains why it's because you belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desire he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there's no truth in him When he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies now at this point brothers and sisters you have to be very clear in your mind what is your world view everybody has a world view Everybody has a basic understanding of our world. There's a lot of people around us who look at life in a very one dimensional way. For them, there's no heaven, there's no hell. The idea of a whole spiritual world is unbelievable. It's all in the movies, it's all on TV, you know, a spiritual world, an underworld, and so on. But people don't really believe that. Everything is reduced to a common level that man can deal with. For instance, if you are ill, go to the doctor. If you are depressed, take a pill. If you have been abused, see a psychologist or a social worker or a psychiatrist. But the government, the health system, psychologists, you name it, it can solve all the world's problems. It's all reduced to that. Brothers and sisters, as a Christian, we have a completely different worldview it's two dimensional or three dimensional we believe that there's a heaven and a hell that there are angels and demons there is a god and there is a devil demons these are the fallen angels who are now under the power of Satan they are all around us by the thousands or millions I don't know, can't count them but they're all around the people in this world the demons are there and they are working on people's minds and working in their lives and possessing them and deluding them and making them turn away from the truth. If you don't believe that there are demons and e- angels, you, you cannot understand what Jesus is saying when he says, why is my language not clear to you? Jesus is saying that in this world, many, many people have become possessed by the devil And his demons, and has made them unable to see the truth. Jesus Christ accuses Satan and demons of two things being a murderer and a liar. If you go right back to Genesis chapter 3, you see that that the devil is a murderer. And, And murder doesn't mean just to physically kill, but it means to destroy life in every way. The devil got his hands on Adam and Eve. And so corrupted their way of thinking that they turned their backs on God, and God said to them, Now you will die. The murderer destroyed the lives of Adam and Eve, and right away got his his fangs into their son Cain, so that Cain murdered his brother Abel. Satan has continued that in the human race. He has raised mass murderers like Adolf Hitler. He has in our own country raised murderers like abortionists, even allowing one abortionist to receive the, the Order of Canada. Satan is a murderer, he is a destroyer of life, destroyer of marriage, of family, of people whose whose idea of what's important is so distorted that they live for money, they live for power, they live for sex. This is the murderer who has got his fangs, his, his talents into people's lives and destroyed them so that they are no, no longer able to live to the praise and the glory of God. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. The devil says, I am the angel of darkness. I want to destroy lives and I want to fill hell with people who will weep and gnash their teeth eternally irony is, the devil doesn't even like us. The devil doesn't like Adolf Hitler. He doesn't like Henry Morgenthaler. He hates all people, created as the image of God. But in his hatred, he says, if the one thing I can do is to destroy your life and make you turn your back on God and pull you into hell, where I will make your life a hell for eternity, you will weep and gnash your teeth. Satan is a murderer from the very beginning. But closely related to this, and it's actually the engine which drives his murderous ways, is that the devil is a liar. Again, go back to Adam and Eve. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And if you listen to the devil, he turns it around to put God in a bad light. Your God is cheap. Your God is denying you all kinds of privileges. And when Eve did not properly rebuke him, then he sealed the lie by saying, You will not surely die. Satan is a liar. He wouldn't know the truth if it stared him in the face. He couldn't speak the truth if his pants were on fire. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He may dress up like an angel of light, but he's out to warp your mind and to deceive you to the point that you don't even see the clearness of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. not only came to wash away our sins but radically renew our lives from that day onwards from the day he deceived adam and eve satan has been deceiving our world we see that also during the ministry of our lord jesus christ for instance one of the outstanding things that jesus did was drive out demons now the best testimony To that action of Jesus when he drove out the demons is to look at the demons themselves. And we got a pretty good picture of, of the demons from the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When Jesus cast them out, they were screaming in anguish. They said, You are the Son of God. They knew who he was. They were terrified by him, but they had to listen to him. They could not stand up to the Almighty Son of God. They could not stand up to the Savior of the world. So the demons knew who Jesus was, and they testified that he was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And then the Jews, they looked at it, and they said, No, 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 no. No, you're, you're not the Savior of the world. You are Beelzebub, Prince of Demons. You are the devil himself, Jesus, casting out demons. Now, how stupid can you get? And how distorted the truth Everybody knows that Jesus drove out demons as a sign that he was overpowering them. They turned it around. Satan had so deceived them, so deluded them, they couldn't see the truth for anything. And they completely denied it. They were unable to see Jesus Christ for who he is. As Jesus said, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Martin Luther experienced the same thing in the 16th century. The deep, deep frustration that led him into the Reformation. As he looked at his church, it was the church of his day. The church in which he was baptized. The church where his parents were married. The church where he could trace his covenant lineage. And he looked at the men around him who were the leaders of the church He saw them engaging in sexual immorality. He saw them living for the love of money. And he saw that they were murdering men and women, boys and girls, by the thousands upon the thousands. He says, how is it possible? It is possible because Satan has deluded you. You can't see the truth anymore. And you've become liars and murderers, just like the devil himself. That deceiving work of of Satan has also done a lot of damage in our world today and I know like a lot of people don't like to, to hear that kind of language they, they're they offended if you say the devil is at work here in Canada in the United States or our world is demon possessed but it is it's the truth and we're not talking demon possession like you might see it in, in a movie you know where people are going and doing all kinds of crazy stuff no they're, they, they look sane these are normal people it's a politician, it's a doctor, it's a psychologist. It's your neighbor who you will sit down with coffee, have coffee with them. They're normal people. But they, they can be demon-possessed. You can talk the gospel to them, they won't listen to you. A politician wants to run for office as president of the United States or prime minister of Canada, if he's a Christian... That's a whole bunch of strokes against him. Our society, quite frankly, says, if you are a Christian, you are not fit to run this country because you're, you're nuts. You're out of your mind. You're warped. See, our, our world is so demon-possessed, they don't want to hear the gospel. They'll let the church be there, but stick to yourself, and we do not want Christian politicians. And that's just the beginning of it you have in our country permission to kill an unborn baby and to give the order of Canada to a man to a doctor who has promoted abortions wholesale slaughter in our country is a country with laws and a system and a media and a culture that allows marriages just to fall apart or don't even get married family structure disintegrating Love of money, love of sex, the greatest drive in our world. Our world, our society, is being deluded by the devil and it is demon-possessed and it is striving to, to squash out the light that is Jesus Christ that has come into our world. The danger is, of course, brothers and sisters, that the devil is also after us. He goes around roaring like a lion or dressing up like an angel of light. He knows you. You're sitting there quietly in your pew right there. We're not talking about these people over here or those over there. Every person in this room, the devil knows you. He's so smart. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses, and he is after you. Sometimes he gets you. He gets you when you engage in pornography or the love of money becomes the most important thing in your life or you don't work on your marriage or you don't love your parents or your your brothers or sisters. The devil is always there to pull you down. And you wonder, how can you stand up to someone as strong as that, to the one that the book of Revelation says is a dragon. Was the beast of the sea, the beast of the dry land, and the great whore of Babylon, all on his side. Our Lord Jesus Christ says at the end of our text, in verse 45, I tell you the truth. He comes with the truth. Later on, he would say in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. The truth that Jesus Christ has come to proclaim is that he has come from heaven as Son of God to be born of woman, and Bethlehem stall to come into this world to take the sins of his people on himself and to die for that on the cross of the Golgotha. And the moment he did that, crushed the power of Satan, wrapped him up with a big chain and threw him in the pit for a thousand years. That's the time between Christ's ascension and his final return. And whoever holds on to Jesus Christ is unable. To be deluded and overpowered by the devil. You know, you might have moments in your life where you're living in sin. You you know it. You're unable to to break with it, and the devil is closing in for the kill. You start to you start to walk down the road of temptation or sin. I'm not going to take a particular example here because you know what I'm talking about in your own personal life. You're being drawn more and more into sin. You're breaking down. You've collapsed to the ground. and Satan is closing in for the kill. He's standing right behind you. He's got a sword in his hand. He's lifted it up. He's ready to chop off your head and to have you for eternity. But suddenly he notices that as you're lying there on the ground... You're praying. You're praying to your Lord Jesus Christ. And at that moment, a thousand angels seize the arm of Satan and he cannot move. And God himself in heaven says, shh, shh, everybody in heaven, quiet. Somebody's crying out and God listens. And Jesus Christ stands there and says, "We've, we've got to help this person. The person who prays, the person who prays will be heard by God and the devil will be pushed back one little word will fell him. Our strength is not in our own ingenuity, in our brains, and our power, but it is in Jesus Christ. People who read the scripture, people who pray, are able to stand up to the power of Satan. Sometimes they'll fall, but Satan cannot overpower them, and they will be on a journey that leads to a, to a new world. To the question, then, that we stated from the very beginning, how do we as church, how do we as families, how do we as individuals stand on guard against the power of the evil one? How do we prevent from being deluded? That, that, That we don't get so wrapped up in sin that we can't even see Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior anymore? The answer is actually very simple. That the Word of God is central in our lives as a congregation, In school, in family, and personal lives. If the Bible is open, and we read it eagerly, and out of that comes prayer to Jesus Christ that you are my Lord and my Savior. You died for me. You conquered Satan. Hear me, Lord. Wash away my sins. Renew my life and allow me to fight the good fight of faith. We shall triumph. We shall be more than conquerors in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Satan, for all his evil power, will not be able to get a hold of us. And we will continue our journey with our Lord Jesus Christ at our side, walking in the truth that will set us free, walking to the light, unto that great day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And he will seize that dragon, that devil that liar and murderer from the very beginning his demons and all who follow him throw them into the lake of fire to take all those who said jesus is my lord and take us into a new world where there will be no sin and no temptation no darkness and we will live forever to the praise and the glory of our god amen